All right. Great song. By the way, if you're wondering who sings that, um, We Are Messengers. It's on their Christmas album. And uh, you can find that, you know, Apple Music or whatever you do. It is not on a CD. And it's actually one of my favorite little albums at the, during the Christmas season. And it's all the songs are absolutely incredible. So good job, guys, on that. Um, my number one favorite Christmas album, not because you asked, but just because I want to tell you, is Behold the Lamb of God by Andrew Peterson. It's absolutely incredible. So you can look that one up too. <clears throat> it's different. It goes from Genesis all the way to the birth, but oh man, it, it is very, very awesome. So nonetheless, good, good job. Isn't it nice to be at Christmas? Yeah? End of the year, wrapping things up. More ways than one, I guess. Yeah, right? So, the Christmas. Uh, earlier this week, I was sick. Um, I got something on Monday, temperature Monday evening, had a temperature all the way through till probably Tuesday evening sometime, and um, a, a little sick. And I got caught up during my sickness on Duck Dynasty. <laughs> I did. I don't know if you know this or not, but I got kind of excited about it. Um, Prime has a live TV section on their app, and you can go to that live TV, and Duck Dynasty has a whole channel. Yeah, so I prayed every 30 minutes when I was sick, every 30 minutes, because you know that show, it ends, right? And they end, they hold hands, and they're eating dinner, and I'm just going to be straight up with you. There's stuff on that table I would never eat. Chicken livers on that table, not going to eat that. Ms. K made some um, squirrel brains, and they were piled up. That's just not my idea of good eating right there. Man, they just, wow. I did watch how they skin a squirrel, though. I thought that was pretty interesting, how they ripped it up, you know, there's, there's the stuff, and that, that made you feel real good in the stomach, right? <clears throat> Have y'all ever, like, been to Clemens and you smelled like hamburgers, like a, like a hamburger, like, smoke smell? Well, that is, that is Burger King. I don't know if you know this or not. It's Burger King. And what Burger King does is they take these smoke pellets and they put it into their ovens, and then they, you know, put it into the atmosphere outside so that you would be enticed to go to their restaurant and eat their burgers. They've been doing this for years. It's, it's kind of like that sort of thing. So it's an outside smell to get you to go to Burger King. Has anybody ever been to like the mall and passed by Cinnabon? <clears throat> yeah, that place smells good all the time. And they do this intentionally, this little smell intentionally. In fact, um, there's a rule that if you have a Cinnabon, it has to be inside, um, close to a stairwell, has to be away from Abercrombie and Fitch and those smells, and it has to be away from other food smells so that they can take over that particular area. They make each one of their sites uh, put their ovens at the front of the store rather than the back of the store. I don't know if you knew all of this or not. And, and they're supposed to bake cinnamon, cinnamon rolls every 30 minutes. And if they can't bake cinnamon rolls every 30 minutes, what they're supposed to do instead is put brown sugar and cinnamon and send that through their oven to keep that smell going. Because what they're trying to do is get you to walk by and think, oh, <clears throat> like it creates something. Like, have you ever been to the mall and you really wasn't thinking about 
a cinnamon roll and you pass by and all of a sudden, not only were you thinking about it, you would really like to have one? Have you ever, ever done that before? Well, that's kind of an out, yeah, I see you in the back. Right, so you, so you smell it and you want it and you desire it. Now, I've done this Burger King thing before where I smelt the stuff and went inside and got the bur- burger and man, it was disappointing. So disappointing. I don't want to be sued for saying this, but it just wasn't. It just wasn't what the smell was cracked up to be. You know what I'm saying? And I'll, I'll have to say this too. <clears throat> Burger King's kind of down here for me when it comes to food, food right here, like way down here. If I could dig, I could probably, you know, right up underneath it is Mexican restaurant. I know a lot of you like Mexican. I don't like Mexican. So it's like down here that tastes. But Burger King... I'd rather eat at Burger King than a Mexican restaurant. I guess that's what I'm saying. Listen, listen, we are what we are, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so um, cinnamon, though, is, is about up here because I, I like cinnamon rolls and I, I like to eat those cinnamon rolls and they are tasty. I'd rather have that than a Burger King hamburger. Okay, I'd rather have that. Do what? I, well, I can't really comment on that right now because we're going to be online. So, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, we're in the mall and you get that and you turn around and you go and you, and you bite into the cinnamon roll and it, to me, it's just not as good as the smell. Now, you might think that it is. You might think that, wow, it's as good as the smell. It's exactly what I wanted. This is absolutely amazing. But the smell, I think, is better than the actual cinnamon roll itself, though I like the cinnamon roll, and I wouldn't turn one down if Nicole bought one for me while I was there at the mall. I wouldn't turn one down. So it's kind of that, that, that smell thing going on that attracts you, that kind of makes you think that you're hungry for something that you're really not hungry for. Um, <clears throat> during Thanksgiving week, Quinn came home. And so Quinn has basically six uh, food groups that he eats, just six. No more, no less. There's not even a resting on the seventh day one right here. It's just six. So his six are, and I hope I, I shouldn't be able to forget these, is uh, chicken fingers, pizza, peanut butter, steak, hot dogs, and spaghetti. So that's his food groups. That's what he eats. This is the, all, like he makes, he makes me look like I'm just a, a eater that eats everything, right? He has six things. So when he comes in, we like to fix him his, his like favorite type stuff. So one of his favorites, of course, is his steak. So we asked him on Monday uh, of the week of Thanksgiving, uh, what would you like to eat? And he said, steak. And I said, great. On the way home from work, I'll go see the layout of the land and see what steak I can get. Because normally we get uh, filet sirloins, you know, the sirloin filet things because they're cheap. So I went to food, I went to, not to Food Lion, but to Harris Teeter <clears throat> over here, and they were having a special on bone-in ribeyes. Does anybody know about the, the bone-in special on ribeyes right before Thanksgiving? They were $8.99 a pound. Yeah. And so Philip goes in and gets very excited because now we're not going to have the sirloin filet. I mean, I like it, but I'd rather have a ribeye at that price, right? So I'm looking through, and I found a couple of packages that must have been tagged wrong 
for $7.99 a pound. Ever had that happen before and get excited about it? You don't really tell anybody, but you go and you pay for it because, you know, there's more than one. So I got these steaks at $7.99 a pound and took them home. Now, Nicole, she doesn't let me mess with her steak. She does her own thing. But I like good steak. So... (laughs) Sorry. And so I'm sitting, I've got olive oil going on, you know, salt and pepper, some, some um, garlic, and, and I'm really buttering it up and stuff like this, getting it ready for the grill. She's over here. I don't even know what she's doing. We put all those steaks together. I stick them on the grill. We bring them off the grill, and we eat them that night. And that ribeye was the best ribeye I've had in a very long period of time. It was tender. It was juicy. It melted in your mouth similar to a filet. It didn't taste like a filet but it melted in your mouth like a filet. And I was like, man, this is really good. And so Quinn said, this steak is phenomenal. And he just ate it all because obviously he hadn't been eaten up in Lynchburg because they don't serve steak in the cafeteria. So, so after that, like there was like a desire. You ever have that desire inside of you that you want that same thing that you had yesterday to eat? It's like inside of you and you're like craving it inside. It's not a smell, but it's like I just want to experience that taste again. And so I've had that craving for quite some time. And so on Thursday, on the way home from work, I stopped by Harris Teeter just to see if the steaks were still on sale. And they were not on sale. They were not on sale. But Philip didn't stop there. Philip looked because he was hungry for this. And I was eating alone that night because Nicole had praise team practice, you know. I'm looking through all the steaks, trying to see if they missed one. Like, did they miss one from the previous set? I know it's two weeks ago, but it could have happened. So I'm, I'm looking through. And you know, sometimes they put the little sale sticker on there. Y'all don't need to know all this. I shot kind of frugally, but they didn't have it. And so I was kind of disappointed. And that inward hunger just wasn't um, accomplished right accomplished in me. It wasn't satisfied is, is what I'm saying. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to start reading with verse 2, and we're going to stop at the beatitude that we're on today um, in the eight maids milking. In verse 2, it says this, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the people who are down and out, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek that are weak, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, the Greek word there for, for hunger is uh, panayo, panayo, but I'm going to call it pino, just because we're in the area and there's a pino road right over here. So every time you see pino road, you need to think of hunger, all right? So pino, I, I'm hungry. And this particular word means that I need, I need food, I desire food, I'm aching for food. I'm aching for food. Now, the people that Jesus is talking to absolutely understand hunger. They understand what that is. 
Because in their day, there wasn't a McDonald's on every corner. There wasn't a Chick-fil-A five miles down the road. There wasn't any of those things. So they would work in the field and they would actually get hungry and they would really desire food by the time that they got home. There was a hunger. There was some people because they traveled from, from village to village and city to city that they would get very thirsty. And so they knew what it meant to be very thirsty and in need of water, not, be, not just because you're trying to do eight bottles a day. That's totally different. But because they, they knew what that thirst was. And in fact, they knew what thirsty was because if you didn't quench your thirst, you couldn't eat. Their mouths would be dry and you just couldn't chew the food. So you'd have to take care of the thirst before you took care of the hunger. So they knew what this inward need was to, to desire food. You see, there's two different things in life that will make you hungry. It's either outside influences or inside influence or your inside. Two different types, and they're totally different. So I wrote down a couple of things about this, and here's, here's one. This is if you're smelling the smell as you walk by Cinnabon, okay? One, the outside, start, well, it starts from the outside and creates something inside. In other words, you smell it, and then your brain says, I would like to have that, and then you're artificially hungry for it. Sometimes but you're artificially hungry for it. It creates that inside. The one that starts inside is from the inside and doesn't let up until it's satisfied. Like for instance, I've walked by Cinnabon many times and went to a store, went back out to my car and didn't think another thing of having a Cinnabon roll. Wasn't even hungry. But the times that I've been hungry, like when I've worked outside, like I worked during the week, but you know, when I've, when I've worked and I haven't had food for a while and I feel hungry, I can actually feel it on the inside of myself and it's not satisfied until I eat something. So that's, that's the inside. One starts from the outside and if the food isn't as good as the smell, there's no longer a pursuit. For instance, Burger King. You smell it, take one bite. I have taken one bite of a, a BK hamburger before and just threw it away. It just was not even close to the smell, and I no longer pursued it. However, when it's inside, you pursue that hunger until you get something to eat. Do you know why my son only has six food items that he, he likes to eat? Because he's never really been hungry. Right? Because if he was really hungry, he would go after whatever food that he could get in order to nourish himself. That's what would happen. So he's never really been hungry. Um, from the outside, it's a suggestion and plays with your emotions more than your stomach. It's a suggestion that plays with your emotions more than your stomach. From the inside, it's real. It's real hunger. Can I just pause here and say, isn't this like temptation as well? Can we just throw this in? You smell something from the outside. You think that you need it. You take a hold of it. You participate in it. And then at the end, it leaves you dissatisfied. Whereas the real hunger that is inside of you, that has inside of you, and that you go after that needs to be satisfied, once you're satisfied, you're satisfied for that moment, right? You have no regrets the next day because of what you've done. So it's amazing what you hunger for. And so they're hungering. From the outside, it's making me hungry. From the inside, I am hungry. I am hungry. 
So back to the text. It said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? <clears throat> for righteousness. So what in the world does that mean? Well, in Scripture, there's not just one type of righteousness. It's all in the same type of definition field, but there's different ways that Scripture talks about righteousness. It's not just one thing. So let me, let me go over a couple of those with you. First of all, righteousness is an attribute of God. It's part of who he is. He is righteous, okay? Second, sometimes in Scripture, righteousness refers to the mighty acts of God, basically his saving acts. It is not only salvation, <clears throat> his mighty acts. It's also any other mighty act that he does, including winning a war for somebody as a righteous act of God. Um, judging sin is a righteous act of God. Judging wrongdoing on the earth is a righteous act of God. So it's the mighty acts of God. It's wrapped in the mighty acts of God. Next, righteousness is declared in Scripture. If you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have been declared righteous. It's nothing that you've done. It's nothing that you've earned. You have been declared righteous. And so you are righteous. And so that's part of the righteous um, topic in Scripture. Here's another one. A human response of people who are saved. A human response of people who are saved. When someone really receives the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, there's something that's inside of them that makes them want to live right from that point on. They want to live right and they pursue righteousness because they want to follow the Savior who saved them from sin, from the punishment of their sin. They have a love relationship between them and their Savior, and so they want to please Him. If you're in this room and you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, there should be something inside of you that makes you want to please your Savior and make Him proud of you. If you do not have that thought, you may need to check and make sure that you really receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior because salvation is a relationship between you and Jesus and he communes with you inside. And so you want to do something good for him. You want to please him. And by the way, when you fail, that's why you feel bad. You have guilt because you have let Jesus down. See, someone that is really saved understands how depraved and sinful they were and how much of a gift it was for Jesus to come down and bring them out of that and save them from their sins and save them from the punishment that they deserve. They really understand that. So it's a human response of people who are saved. And then there's this one, as in this text today, and here it is. It's everything in its right place. Now, I could go back through <clears throat> and show you how it fits in with all the other ones, this particular definition of it, but everything in its right place. And so the beatitude says, Jesus is saying, people, you're blessed if you are hungering and thirsting for everything to be in its right place. Do you have that that ache inside of you for things to be in its right place? Well, yes, I do, Pastor. I'm o OCD. No, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when you watch the news, 
Do you ever ache and say, man, I wish things were in its right place because it isn't. Things are not in the right place. The world needs help. I mean, who is controlling this world anyway? Who, who's doing Who's in control? Who's doing this? This is a big mess. And every day that you watch the news, you see another mess after another mess after another mess. Now, for those of us like me who don't watch the news, I don't, I don't watch the news. I read some or someone tells me something is going on. That's how our Alexa gives me a rundown of the news things for the day. You know, I do that. But even in that, you hear things all the time that just isn't right. It's just not in the right place. And the desire that it stirs inside of me is, man, I wish things were different. I wish things were right. I wish people acted correctly. That's what I wish. And then you go from global to like national. Don't you wish that things in Washington, D.C. was in the right place? I think both sides of the aisle need to get their act together. That's what I think. There is just something wrong, and you want to fix that governmental body. I mean, you want things to be better. Not to get on this subject, but just to tell you, don't you wish that we didn't have to worry about bathrooms? Like that that wasn't even in our news cycle? Like you want people to get things to where it's right, like, Girls go to girls' bathrooms and guys go to guys' bathrooms. Girls play girls' sports, which I'm all for, and guys play guys' sports. I don't understand why we had to whack it all up. Do you know what I mean? Why, why this? And there's a desire in me to say, man, these people are missing the achievements that ladies could have in their sports world if there wasn't the infusion of guys. Right? And you just ache inside your heart saying, man, this just isn't right. You hunger and thirst for things to be put in the right place. And then you go just to your life personally, I don't know about you, but inside of me, things get out of whack. Right? Sometimes I'm just, I'm just struggling on the inside of myself. I'm, I'm I'm trying to do the right thing, but I can't do the right thing. And when I'm doing the right thing, I'm still doing it the wrong way because I'm married. I mean, that's how it goes, right? Right? So, you, so you're trying to do things the right way, but you can't do things the right way. And, and even when you're doing the right thing and people say that you're doing the right thing, you know that there was a couple of things that you really didn't do right because you had to put some of your, your emotions in check. And, and you're just going back and forth and there's a war inside of you. And, and you just wish that things inside of yourself, you desire for things inside of yourself to be righteous, to be right, to be in the right place. So I paraphrase the first part of this beatitude. So this is the Philip Brand version, and here it is. Blessed are those who ache because of how seriously out of whack things are. (laughs) Blessed are those. We are just aching and aching and aching, and it's a struggle, and it's a struggle, and it's personal. It's personal. So what, occur, what occurs, what occurs with, with all of this? Um, I, just, 
I, I think currently I'm more concerned. I, I want everything outside to be in its right order. A hunger and thirst for a righteous world, a righteous government, a righteous nation, one that's on the right track, that's doing the right things, that's not um, promoting sin, but promoting things that are really good for all of humanity. That's what I really desire on the inside. The stuff that Jesus wants us to live like, that's what I desire. But when it comes to inside of me, man, it, it's, it's just a battle. And it would be nice to just have <clears throat> my heart put in the right place just to get some satisfaction there. So whereas I can't start in the world and I can't start in the government and I can't start with the people outside of me, I can at least start inside of me. And so Romans chapter seven, verse, um, verses 15 through 20, talks about what I talked about. And I know you've already thought about this, at least some of you have. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells with me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. <clears throat> For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So there's this, this oh, I'm just in turmoil, I'm just kind of grinding, and I'm trying to do good, but I can't do good. What in the world? I just want to be satisfied on the inside of myself. And Jesus comes on the scene 2,000 years ago. And he says, blessed is everybody that doesn't have it together, that is in turmoil on the inside of their heart. They're trying to do right, but they can't do it because they will be satisfied. Okay, so what in the world does that mean? That they will be satisfied. Is... <clears throat> Is this just future? Like, is this, I, I've got this going on now. I want things to be right. I have this hunger and desire. And what I have to do is I have to wait for Jesus to come back to be satisfied. Is that what Jesus is telling these people? Is Jesus looking at them and he's saying this? He's saying, uh, you're gonna be hungry for several thousand years but it's okay because at the end of it, there's gonna be a meal. Is that really what Jesus is saying here? And he's not saying that. What he is saying is you can be satisfied now. You can be satisfied now. You can hunger and thirst for things to be right. And when you do, you will be satisfied in your present moment. You will be satisfied. It is coming. It is there. So to kind of illustrate this, let's talk about Garfield the cat. <clears throat> How many of you, when you were little or smaller or whatever, couldn't wait to get the Sunday paper to read the Garfield comics? Yeah. Or the comics just in general, right? It was the highlight of my Sunday. I know church should have been. I get it. But I could not wait after church to get home and get that newspaper and read through the comics section. Loved it. It started with Peanuts. 
and ours in Greensboro, and then a page later is Garfield, and you know they had Doomsbury, and, and they had BC, which was an awesome comet, and Marmaduke. Do you remember Marmaduke? Okay, some people, some people were cultured and, and read the comets and kept up with things. So Garfield is always hungry, in the, always hungry in the comics. And so I have two comics for you to kind of show you today. And here's the first one. Cough, cough, cough. <coughs> Garfield, I was choking on a peanut and you just sat there. We have peanuts? <laughs> That's awesome. All right, here's the next one, okay? Don't eat that poor defenseless donut. Don't listen to him. Chow down, pal. Do what is right. Do what is in your heart. Next. There he is. And then the next one. (laughs) Take them all out. Right? And Garfield is satisfied. Satisfied. So here's a way that you can be, that Jesus, here's a way you can be satisfied in the present. When I am warring with myself, good and bad, inside of me, the Romans chapter 7, what you have to remember is Romans chapter 8, which starts like this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. This is, means, ladies and gentlemen, that when I fall into sin, I am blessed. When I am struggling, I am still blessed. When I am warring inside of myself, I am still blessed because even though I fail, there is now therefore no condemnation for that failure. There might be consequences that I have to uh, go through in life. There might be stuff I have to deal with, but Jesus is not up in heaven saying, hey, you're off the list and you're on the naughty list. He's not Santa Claus. It's there is no condemnation for those of us who is in Christ Jesus. When I am warring inside of myself, and I know I've done good, but I've done a little bit bad, but I've done good and it turned out all right, but I still know I did good and I'm not really proud of how it all went, I am still blessed because I'm satisfied that Jesus is satisfied. Well, actually, God the Father is satisfied with Jesus' sacrifice on my behalf, taking my punishment on my behalf. He is satisfied, therefore I am satisfied. Come on, church. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Blessed are those who do not have it together. You will be satisfied. And you're satisfied grabbing a hold of this truth that says there is no condemnation. I'm not going to be held accountable in the future. This is awesome. I still war within myself, but it makes it easier. Because I'm warring with something where I already have the victory over it. And so you take it, you desire for things to be right. Jesus says, you will be satisfied. You will be satisfied. Um, have you ever had, had a moment where, here's another one, by the way. Have you ever had that moment where 
people that you love, we're just not living right. Have you ever had that phone call from the people in your family or maybe some of your friends and they tell you lawyers are involved and kids are going to be separated from their parents? Have you ever had that moment in your life? And so what you do is because you care, you reach out and you try to figure out what in the world you're you can do to help them with that because something isn't right. And you ache for that family to be whole. That's what you ache for. And so you, you go out and you, you try to help them. Have you ever had a, had a child that didn't live right, didn't do right, and then they realize they didn't live right, and then they come to you and say, look, I'm sorry for the way that I've been living. Have you ever had that, that moment happen? Or, or have you ever had a moment where where a family member, you had to sit them down and say, look, if you continue down this road, this is not going to be good for you, and our families can no longer be around your family because you're going down this road. Have you ever had to have that type of discussion? And so inside of you, you're kind of hurting that that situation would get put back together. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for relationships to be right, for things to be in their right place, for families to love each other like they're supposed to do, and for families to be godly. And blessed are those those that desire for that, but it's not happening. And Jesus says, you will be satisfied. Well, how in the world are you satisfied in the moment when things are falling apart? And here's how you do it. This is how it's done. You, you talk to the individual, and then instead of viewing that conversation as a magic wand that would make everything better and bring everybody back to where they're supposed to be, you look at it as giving them a little nugget so that they can improve, and you look for the improvement, and you grab a hold of that. Recently, I have a friend of mine that, that sat down with his son, <clears throat> And his son had been going through a tough time, and he listened to his son, what his son said, and then he just gave him one little nugget of wisdom. Didn't try to fix the whole thing. Are you with me? Didn't try to go into it, well, you should have, you should have, this should have done, this should have happened. No, he sat there and gave him a, a nugget of wisdom to think about, and that son left, thought about what his father said, just that one thing, And there was a little change in his life. And in the moment that there was a little change in his life, guess who was satisfied? The father. He wasn't satisfied that the situation had been taken care of, but there was some satisfaction. There was some comfort that came to him because at least we're on the right path. They met again. He gave him one more nugget of wisdom. The son left, started working that out, changed, it changed things. And so the father is satisfied that though this is bad, it is now going in the right direction. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it is your call to do something about what's in front of you. Help someone out, but don't approach it as a magic wand that everything's going to be great. Like, as soon as I have this conversation, it's going to be back to normal. That is not how life works. Life works in little steps, and you get better, and you get better, and you're on the right track, and you're on the right track. And just straight up, 
If someone is on the right track, that is satisfying. Because the longer they walk down the right road, the better they're going to get and the closer to Jesus they're going to get. Are you with me? So you're satisfied in that it's going in that particular direction and your hunger is abated for just a little while. Here's another thing about satisfaction uh, when it comes to hungering for righteousness is sometimes satisfaction has to be learned. Really? Yeah. Here's a verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That particular word there, content, can also be translated satisfied. I have learned to be satisfied. Lord, I'm satisfied today because you got me up and I'm in tune with you. I'm satisfied because I was able to have that conversation with that person. I was able to try to do the right thing. I was able to follow you one more day. I am satisfied. I hunger and thirst for things to be different, but I'm satisfied today that this is the moment that you have created for me. And you have to learn to think that way. You have to learn to think that way. Too many people look at all the negatives and never the positive. And this isn't even the glass is half empty, the glass is half full. That's a bunch of baloney. It is Jesus has said, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You will be satisfied, but you have to look for it. You have to look for it. You are going to be either satisfied or not satisfied by what you look for in your situation. Right? What you look for in your situation. And if you're looking for the, just the next disappointment, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're looking for the way that God is working, you will find it time and time again. But you have to reject some of the negative thinking in order to see how he's already satisfying your soul in what you're going through. Amen? Yeah. Now that I'm speaking the need, for I've learned whatever situation I am, to be satisfied. All right. How many of you ate breakfast this morning? Yeah? Yeah. How many of you had grits? Grits this morning? Y'all had grits? I had grits. What kind of grits do you do? Do you do like on the stove grits? Yeah, that's the way to do grits. I do have the five-minute grits just in case just in case, but I can't go as far as the microwave grits, but that has to do with grits. We ate this morning, right? Was everybody satisfied after they ate? I mean, their tummies were full. Maybe you didn't really enjoy what you ate this morning, but your tummy, no, no, it was bad breakfast, or you just didn't eat? I I didn't hear you, what? Oh, cocoa pebbles. Well, listen, they make this little container of five-minute grits. You stick them in the Takes just as long, trying to help you, help you out there. A little butter, salt, good stuff like that. All right, now, how many of you are going to eat lunch this afternoon after this service? Yeah. Do you mean to tell me that this morning when you ate, that's not going to satisfy you for the rest of the day? No? I know why. You're Baptist. <laughs> You're Baptist. How many of you are planning to eat supper this evening? 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm planning on eating supper this evening. How many of you already know what you're eating for supper this evening? That's what I'd like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're my kind of people. I like to know. <clears throat> Nicole likes to decide in the moment. I like to know. It, opposites attract. We love each other, but, but that's the way it is. So tomorrow morning, how many of you are planning on eating breakfast? Most of you. Isn't that interesting? That you're going to eat breakfast tomorrow morning, although you ate breakfast today. See, sometimes people look at this verse as Jesus is saying, hey, you will be satisfied and it'll just be ongoing satisfaction. I just made up that word. The first, the first service didn't get that. They didn't get that, but you do, you're blessed. <laughs> ongoing, like you're gonna be satisfied forever, for eternity. Like God will satisfy your eternity. That is not the picture Jesus is drawing here. He's intentionally using hunger That is an everyday experience. I get hungry, I get satisfied. I go to lunch, I get satisfied. I go to dinner, I'm hungry, I get satisfied. I sleep all night, I wake up in the morning, I'm hungry, I get satisfied. You go through your morning, you get hungry, you get satisfied. You go through your afternoon, you get hungry, you get satisfied. Because the picture he wants you to understand is, you are in a fallen world And when you fix this, that doesn't mean everything else is fixed. So you fix this and you get satisfied and you go through your day and you're like, man, I just wish that was right. And then he satisfies you here. And then you get to the evening and you get hungry because this isn't fixed. And he satisfies you here. Is everybody tracking? So the hunger and being satisfied is a constant thing. The, The tense here is you will be satisfied ongoingly for the rest of your life. You're hungry, satisfied, hungry, satisfied, hungry, satisfied until you get to heaven and eat that final meal. He's just not leaving you in this world to be stressed and all it's all falling apart and depressed the rest of your existence here. That's not what Jesus is saying. He is making an announcement to say, when you are desiring for things to be put back in place, you will be satisfied today. And then tomorrow, when you desire for things to be put in place, you will be satisfied in that moment. And sometimes the satisfaction is a salad. And sometimes it's a ribeye steak. Right? But it's still Jesus giving you satisfaction. You know, the way I really wanted to put that is um, sometimes the satisfaction is a Burger King hamburger. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. And there's a family this week where the mother, and you know who they are, had to have heart surgery because she had a hole in her heart. And that surgery went well. And we hungered and thirst for things to be put right for that lady. We hungered and thirst for that to go well. We were very concerned. And we were satisfied for just a moment when that surgery went well. Father, we know that she's still going through recovery. 
And each day that passes, we desire in our hearts for her health to be put back in order, for righteousness to happen in her life in that particular regard. And this morning when she got up was another moment of satisfaction. Now she may have been weak. She may have had some type of little sickness this morning, but she's still with us and you're st- you still have your hand in it. You're still healing her. And we'll take that satisfaction. There's another individual in the church, Father, that went through their cancer scan, their three-year cancer scan. They hungered and thirst for that particular scan to be clear. Father, we prayed. The scan came back and we were satisfied because they had been clear for three years and it's just absolutely amazing. Father, just last week, we had some teenagers that we love deeply. It was in an accident four-wheeler accident. They had to go to the hospital and there was many, there was a lot of damage to their bodies. And we prayed and we hungered and we thirsted for things to be made right, to be put in its right place for, for that to happen. Or maybe even sooner than that, this spring, I don't know, that they'll be back to being the teenagers and healthy and being able to move like they want to move and do the sports that they want to do. Man, that is so satisfying, so satisfying to see that road of health for them. There are people in this room, Father, that have family members that are just continuing to go down the wrong road. For them this morning, this is a reminder that their hunger and thirst for things to be made right will be satisfied. And I pray that you open their eyes to see what that is. It might be in the gift that they get from that individual at Christmas that took some thought to give it to them. It might be in a text that they get later this week, or it might be in a conversation that they have with this individual and they see that they're really trying to make things better. And I pray that in those moments that the good things are happening, that they'll grab a hold of that and be satisfied with the little steps of victory that you have given them in their life. Because this gospel promise is true. It's true now and it's true in the future. And it's so encouraging for us. So as we go out this week, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to remember in the times that we ache for things to be put in its place, for things to be right, for righteousness to win the day, that we're able to see the moments where you satisfy that hunger in our hearts. So we leave all this at the foot of the cross. And in Jesus' name we pray.